Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. I just don't think I will ever run out of things to talk about when it comes to owning up to mistakes I've made. If you are a design professional like me, Kimberly Seldon, then you're in the right place. We are really glad you're here and you're going to hear some mistakes from Business of Design member Roxana Usman, who lives in Vermont. She's super cool and we have so much in common, so you're going to have to hear me gush about her just a little bit. One of the things I love that she said is her parents taught her that they had three children. One child, they said, don't go near the fire, it's hot. And that child listened. The second child, they said, don't go near the fire. And that child went close to the fire and then realized, oh, wow, this is hot. And then the third child, they said, don't go near the fire. But that child went near the fire and in fact got burned. And Roxana was sharing this sort of parable because she, like me, had to make all of her own mistakes. And what I wish so sincerely for all of you is that you could trust us and take measures right now to Fill the gaps in your contract, in your systems, and in doing so, prevent yourself from making so many of the mistakes that I've made. Every single time a mistake has happened to me in my business, I added something to my contract um, to make sure that it couldn't happen again. But the other essential factor, and this is definitely a Roxana element as well, she owns the mistake. She says, that mistake is my fault. And I've always been able to do that as well. If I can own the mistake, then I can fix the mistake. But if it's somebody else's fault, I'm in trouble because I can't fix anybody else. Something I think you'll definitely relate to, Roxana says that if a golden retriever owned a design firm, it would be her. And that made me laugh out loud because the truth is I'm so like that. I want to I want to help you. I want the job. I want to fix this. I can be your person. Call me. Pick me. I'll be here. Um, that is definitely the attitude that I've had as well. And many of you will relate to that. As you listen to Roxana, you're going to hear someone who's been in business a while, long enough to realize she needed to create some systems and procedures to help her do her job better. For instance, she owns up to the fact that she needed a better script for vetting clients. That's something we talk about at the consultation level and closing that sale. If you don't have the right questions to ask, if you can't move them through your system quickly and efficiently, then you don't have the right script for vetting clients. And that's a really important thing to be able to do. You also want to be able to be in charge of onboarding your clients. In other words, just because a client is ready to start doesn't mean you have to be ready to start right that minute. If you have five projects in the middle of critical moments, it's okay to say to a client that I am going to schedule your trade day for one month from today because we're so busy and that's the first opportunity where I can really give you my first attention and my full attention. Now the client might be disappointed, but that's okay. That will be nothing compared to the disappointment of starting that client when they want only to discover you can't really service them the way you need to service them. The other thing you're going to love from Roxana is her analogy of would the electric 
company do it. So when a client wants you to come to their house Sunday night at 10 p.m., you ask yourself, would the electric company do that? And the answer, of course, is no. Or when a client sends you a text on Saturday morning at 6 a.m., would the electric company respond on Saturday morning at 6 a.m.? And the answer is no. So this can also, by the way, work if somebody wants you to change your policy. Would the electric company allow little old you to change a policy? And the answer is no. So, so that's a great part of the conversation as well. If you've ever made a mistake, you are in the right place. Hang on. Let's hear from Cheryl Horn before we jump into the episode. Cheryl, it's September. Can you believe it? I know summer summer went by fast and we've got uh, I think the fall's going to go by fast too cuz we're we're really busy and you're traveling a lot. <laughs> I am traveling a lot but looking forward to dinner with my daughter in Los Angeles on her birthday which is September 12th. So happy birthday Raleigh and what else am I doing? Uh, in October, the 25th and 26th, you're headed to Texas, Austin, Houston, and Dallas. So it's going to be a busy couple of days for you. Oh, busy? Are you kidding? Bring it on. I'm going to be hanging around with the people I love most in the world. And that's other people who do the hard work I do as an interior design professional. So I get so much out of these events. I learn so much. And I'm always amazed at regionally how different design practices can be, you know, from one end of a country to another. So this will be really fun to do a bit of a deep dive in, in the great state of Texas. So I'm looking forward to it. And then I also want to mention, um, because we get so many questions, Australia coming up in um, March 22nd, 23rd, 2019. Um, It's it's selling out. So if you're uh, one of our members, if you're listening from Australia, make sure you get uh, registered for that. Details are on our website, businessofdesign.com. But that's coming up quick and we definitely get a lot of interest. If if you're planning a trip to Australia as well, make sure you plan around that. Come with me. I, I want as many fun friends as possible so I can enjoy that beautiful country, huge country. I, I'm sure I'm not going to see much of it, but uh, I'm looking forward to my first trip there as well. Cheryl, you have a wonderful day wherever you are. <laughs> you too. Talk to you soon. All righty. Oh, before I forget, there is one more thing really exciting. October 12th, it's a Friday at 1 p.m. I will be hosting a podcast live from High Point, High Point Market. If you're a Business of Design member and you're going to be at High Point Market, please reach out to us. I want you to be on the podcast. We are going to have a lively discussion with Business of Design members Friday, October 12th at 1 p.m. at the Point at High Point Market. I will also be on stage on October 13th, which is a Saturday at noon on the ASID stage. And I'll be part of a panel discussion. And when we have more information about that, we'll let you know. But by all means, if you're going to be in High Point on that Friday, I need you as my guest. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses plus Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. 
Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Well, turns out I'm not the only person who makes mistakes. And luckily, Roxana reached out and said, I got a few. I got a few. How are you doing today, Roxana? I'm doing great, Kimberly. You're in Vermont. I am. Oh, it's beautiful right now, isn't it? It is gorgeous. You know, there was a writer, Wallace Stegner, who said that living in Vermont in the summer is like living inside of a salad bowl. So it's just, it's burdened and gorgeous. I love it. It's great. Okay, we'll just pretend it's like that all year round, okay? We'll just, right, for just right. for today, we're going to pretend. Um, so for thank you so much for agreeing to do this and to be candid about some of the things that you have run into in your experience as a practicing design professional. Professional. I think I've made every mistake in the book and still uh, others tell me that there are other ways you can trip up. So what comes to mind when you think of a mistake that you made that nearly did you in? The first hundred? Or- <laughs> <laughs> Should we take them chronologically or alphabetically? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll actually share my very, very first experience. I call it my baptism by fire experience. Um, And I got into this profession via a very, very traditional route. I graduated from college with a degree in design, and I went to go work for an established design firm in Portland, Oregon. We had just moved to Portland. Um, I was incredibly lucky to be hired by this very, very prestigious luxury design firm. And I was low man on the totem pole. I was junior designer to the senior designer who then served the principal designer, right? Um, And of course, I was a rookie and very green. And I was put in charge of this very, very simple job. It was a holiday weekend. And my job literally was to unlock a door and then lock it back up once the vendors left, right? Why do I have a feeling it didn't go quite so simply? I was proud as a peacock, right? I'm right out of college. I'm super excited. I'm working for this great design firm. This was a luxurious property, gorgeous, gorgeous property, views of the water. I show up at the property. Oh, I have to preface this story. This was, this was historic times, pre-internet, pre-cell phones. Back in the day, yeah. (laughs) That's that's part of the problem. So it was a holiday weekend, and the entire office was closed, and the clients were also gone for the holiday weekend, which is why I was put in charge to do this job while everyone was away. So they would return to the house completed. Um, So I showed up at the property, and I was told that there was going to be a lockbox there with the key. So I'm searching for the lockbox, and there is no lockbox. And I thought, do I have the wrong address? What am I doing wrong? And I realized, no, I'm definitely at the right property. There is no lockbox. Of course, I can't call anybody. I didn't know what to do. Jump back in the car, go to the office, pull out the phone book. Remember the phone book, Kimberly? (laughs) I do, I do. Some of our listeners literally will not remember what this was like. You were really really and truly on your own. There was no lifeline. No, and I was very new to Portland, so I didn't have any contacts. I, I wasn't even established at the firm. I was truly green, and I, I just started calling um, places that I thought were in that area so that I could get an address to find out if there was, like, a security guard or if there was somebody in charge of the building, a property manager. 
Well, I got the property manager, put me in charge of security, come to find out the lockbox, which had been put there by the clients, was against homeowner association rules and had been cut off. Oh, wow. I jump in the car, go back down to the property, and of course the movers are there waiting for me because the concept was I open the door, the movers move all the furniture on the right-hand side of the property to the left, the carpet installers come in, install carpet, the movers come back, move the furniture back to the right-hand side of the property, the carpet installers complete the left, uh, the left, uh, yeah, the left-hand side, and then the movers come back and put everything. And my job was to make sure, according to photographs, that everything looked exactly like it did when the clients left. Right. And then I locked the door. What could go wrong? So, did you have a Polaroid well, camera to verify continuity? The, you know what? It was it was old film, like. The senior designer had gone the day before and taken photos from the old, you know, the old film that you had to go and get developed. So part yes. of my job was also picking up the film from the film developer place. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so anyway, the movers were overjoyed that I was late because, of course, they're working at time and a half or double time or overtime. We get into the property and within 10 minutes, one of the foremen from the movers come to me and they were like, we don't move electronics. Oh, no. And this was before wireless anything. Right. And there are there are stereo equipment and televisions and probably Betamax and VHS and who knows what else. And I thought, well, now what do I do? So I went back to the phone book. I looked up electricians. I called electricians. They put me in contact with an audiovisual guy. And uh, he took mercy on me and showed up again. This is a holiday weekend. Wow. Okay. So, so I'm going to, is this a mistake or is this just just, somebody who's so, look how like scrappy you were and you didn't give up. Well, you know what, Kimberly, this is the amazing thing. My husband was telling me a story that he read recently in the New York times about a firm in New York and your resume gets you in the door for their interview. And then the interview process is actually, you are tasked with finding this very rare Italian or French suit at a, at a very small vendor. And all you're told is, this is the size and this is the style of suit. Because people want problem solvers. Right. And, and frankly, that's what we do. Yeah. We, we're, we're not hired for our drafting skills or our sense of color. We are hired because we solve problems. Yes. You know what? It's so funny that you said that. I just had this conversation uh, at an event we did in New York City, and there was a real emphasis on the fact that we're artists, that we're creative artists. And I thought, we are, but I'm not sure that's why people hire us. I actually think people hire us because we do exactly what you just said. We solve problems that are challenging, annoying, time-consuming, and who, frankly, would want to deal with all of that stress? Like, do you, that sounds so stressful to me, everything you just described about going to that house and not being able to find the lock. And, of course, not having a phone makes it worse. Right. Um, it makes it much, much worse. And uh, I mean, again, this is a very established design firm, and even they did not anticipate the problems that I was going to run into. Um, there's a little bit of Murphy's Law with any project relative to interior design, as I'm sure you've experienced. Oh my gosh, it's so true, and I'm so glad you're bringing that up, because the fact of the matter is, despite your best efforts, def- despite the fact that you'll have the best systems and the best procedures, there are always going to be things that you can't anticipate. So yesterday, I showed up at a client's house. to My job was to review about 50 pieces of artwork that she already owns, 
to decide if they need to be reframed and to decide where they're going to hang when we finish the renovation. Couldn't be simpler. The movers were supposed to take the artwork from storage. It was clearly labeled, clearly marked, bring it to the client's house. I was going to be there with my staff. We're going to open it. We're going to make all these decisions. We're going to put it back in the boxes. The movers are picking it up and taking it to the framers. So we get to the house. We get through quite a few pieces of art, and we realize we're missing about half. So despite Uh our best efforts, the movers hadn't done something on their end. And so instead of being able to go yesterday to the framers and get this huge job done in one day, it's now going to drag on into next week because I just am not going to be able to go back and do it again. So you're right about the Murphy's Law thing. There's always going to be something. So I'm going to say that that to me illustrates, what's what's the word, how much perseverance you have versus... A mistake well, that you made. I was going to say resilience or resilience. stupidity. <laughs> uh, no, never stupidity, but resilience. Like, hang in there. You can solve this. This problem is not going to take you down. Okay, so is there another example where you really did make a mistake? Oh, my gosh, Kimberly. Okay, so I my, my parents said that they had three children. One child, they said, don't go near the fire. It's hot. And they listened. The second child, they said, don't go near the fire. They went close to the fire and realized it was hot. And the third child, which I will let you guess which one I am, <laughs> got burned and said, oh, that's really hot. Right. So I have, I have worked with business coaches and I have, I have heard so many horror stories, but it isn't until these things happened to me that I realized, oh, yeah, I, I, I need to have that in my letter of agreement. So I, I try really hard to share my knowledge with other designers. In part, I think I have survivor's guilt. I've made it this far. And I really want to help other designers have tight systems and be professional. But here's here's a perfect example. So I, many years ago, I did not charge for my initial initial consulta- consultation. And I, I, I wasn't good at vetting people on the telephone. I was really new to this business and I was eager to meet people. It was like, if a golden retriever owned a design firm, that was me. So every person that called, I'm like, yes, I'd love to come to meet you. Let's go take a look at your house. And Everybody's relating, by the way. Most of us are people pleasers, (laughs) and most of us are just so keen to get the job. We feel exactly the same way. So you're not alone. Well, I'm glad to know that. And this, this again, was a rookie mistake. It's when I very first started my business, and I didn't have people in the funnel, and I just didn't know how to vet people correctly. And so... I went out to every person that called. I provided a letter of agreement. I told them all the things that I could do for them. So I literally had at any given time a dozen or more letter of agreements kind of out there floating, me just eager to get some work. Well, I can remember this distinctly. It was early September, and within one week, I received three signed letter of agreements. And honestly, I should have been overjoyed, and I was sick to my stomach. I didn't know how I was going to get all the work done. I already had some clients. I just, I, I, I was paralyzed with fear. And it was at that moment I realized, first of all, I need a script to vet clients. And second of all, I needed to be in charge of when I onboarded clients. You don't just show up at the surgeon's um, office and say, okay, I'm ready for surgery today, doc. Right. Right. So I started putting a clause in my letter of agreement, which I share this with designers and they're always, they're, they're always shocked. But I say it's the second line in my letter of agreement that we reserve the right to alter this letter of agreement 
if it goes unsigned for longer than 10 days. Fair enough. And what that does, first of all, it encourages, yes, it encourages people to sign up immediately. And second of all, if they call me two, three, four months later, I can tell them, I'm sorry, I, I don't have any availability right now, but I have availability next month and I can schedule your appointment for then. You know, you bring up something so true, which is when I want to get some sort of a procedure or appointment with my dentist, I don't tell them necessarily the exact date and time I want to start. Or I do, but they can't do it and I have to wait. Um, Sometimes I think uh, we forget that it's okay to be busy. It's okay to have other clients. And it's okay to say, I'm going to schedule your trade day one month from today. I know you want it sooner, but one month from today is when I have the bandwidth to really give you the attention and commitment you deserve. Yes. Well, you know, and Kimberly, this is something that I learned from my sister. Uh, from my sister. So we both struggle with, uh, with boundaries and so forth. And so she taught me this really simple line, would the electric company... So would the electric company allow their clients to set or change the letter of agreement? No. Right. Would the electric company accept your text at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday? No. So <laughs> now I just say, would the electric company? That's such And it's a very good. clear yeah. if, <laughs> if I should do something or not. It's very clear. And, it's, and for some people, they're like, yeah, but I'm not the electric company, big corporate brand. And I would say, but you are. You are yes. if you say you are. And I think that's a really good barometer. Would the electric company allow this particular thing to happen? I think that's fantastic. So, No, I was just going to tell you, so the, a very similar situation happened. I had a very busy uh, client. He was an executive, and I learned two things from working with this client. One of the things was he was a bachelor, so he put two family members kind of in charge of, of helping with the design. And I discovered that unless you are writing the check and you have some sincere interest in the outcome, I'm not going to listen to you. (laughs) um, And I do work with spouses and I work with significant others and I've even worked with a brother and sister. But when you have design by committee, it does not work well. Especially when the committee, yeah, when the committee is all over the place and nobody has a clue about how this property is going to function. So that was something that I put in my letter of agreement. I asked who is in, who are the decision makers? Yeah. Who's the point person that, yeah, exactly. We asked that as well. One of the ways that I can tell who the point person is, is when I'm at the consultation and I read the contract and I ask the person if they want to go forward, if that person picks up a pen and signs a contract and hands it to me right then, I know I'm dealing with the point person. If on the Mm -hmm. other hand, the person says, I'm going to talk to my husband, I may or may not be dealing with the point person legitimately. If it's the, if it's a wife, let's say, and she wants to speak to her husband. She might just want to run it by her husband and then she'll still sign the contract and get me a check. But it could also happen that that contract comes back to me signed by the husband and a check from the husband. And then I have to verify who's the person whose decision is final. And I make sure I get that in writing in an email or something. But you're right. You definitely don't want to design by committee. And the other thing I was going to say, one of the clauses we have in our commercial contract is that we do not work for decorating committees. We work for a board of directors only 
and the board of directors may choose to work with a decorating committee, but we do not. Because I've just been in too many meetings for, um, you know, hotel lobbies or condominium elevator hallways where there's like six frustrated homeowners who wish they had gone into interior design and I'm trying to make them happy and it just, you can't win. Oh, Kimberly, I can see those meetings. I can see them. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so so it sounds like you and I have something in common, which is that every single time a mistake happened, something went wrong on the job, I would go back to the office once I finished crying, <laughs> and I would <laughs> figure out what I was going to add to my contract to make sure that never happened again. Well, Kimberly, one of the reasons that I adore you is that you frequently say a mature business does this, a mature business does that. And you are absolutely right because every time I have encountered a miscommunication or a misunderstanding or a job goes sideways, it is my fault. And I have to prevent that from happening again. And I don't know if you can tell by, by my energy, um, but I have ADD. And I'm of the generation that before it was diagnosed, it was really just considered how you were wired. And I, I actually consider my ADD an asset because I'm allowed to get super and hyper-focused on things that I'm passionate about, which mm-hmm. in, my, in my life are my clients and my business. Um, It also gives me super high energy and a ton of creativity, but that also means I hate doing something the same way twice. Right, right. (laughs) I'm a creative, right? Right. And as my business evolved, client base was growing, I was getting referrals, and I realized that things were falling between the cracks. And I was working really long hours, I was exhausted, and I thought, "I, I have to do something. And this is before I knew the terminology of what systems were. So at the time, I just thought I was making checklists for myself Mm -hmm. and templates. And so what I did is I literally sat down and I made a checklist for everything that I routinely did. Everything. And then I created templates for all of my correspondence because I I had a client that reached out to me and she said, I've got a neighbor. I'm giving you her name and number because she really needs help. Well, fast forward, I started working with that neighbor friend and I realized I don't really have a set system of how I work. So I did adapt your 15 steps. I, I had been doing my own process, which was semi in alignment with your 15 steps. But as soon as I became a business of design member, it was like a light bulb went off and I thought, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing 15 steps. I just didn't know it was 15 steps. And, and I didn't modify it just slightly. So, so my steps aren't in complete alignment with yours, but of course we have the consultation and sign a letter of agreement and do the trade day and so forth. By raising the profession in general, we, we help others, but we help ourselves. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Okay, so I would love for you to come back and do a member-directed course that is only for Business of Design monthly and annual members where you share some of your collateral materials. I think there's a lot of people listening who think, gosh, I'd like to know more about how Roxana is 
doing all of these fabulous things, and you've certainly kind of piqued my curiosity. Uh, I, ter- I would be honored. Oh, great. Okay, yay. So so this is just the beginning of a beautiful friendship then. Thank you so much for your time. Before I leave you, we like to end every show with something called design intervention. Um actionable advice that you think would immediately help someone listening? Honestly, the number one thing a person can do for their design firm is to get a hold of their numbers. I am a very, very right brain person, as you probably discovered speaking to me. And I first started off in QuickBooks and it was just a mess. I had no idea what was, what was going on. I didn't know the difference between profit margin and markup, and it was atrocious. And then I actually switched my accounting software to one that uh, forced me to put in numbers in order to send a proposal to a client, which also meant that the back end was done because then I had a purchase order set, and it revolutionized my back end. I am now able to speak to my accountant. Um, the things that she says, I'm not looking like uh, looking at her like a deer in the headlights. Like, can you translate that into English? And I am just so much more empowered and so much wiser with the decisions that I make relative to my firm. I love that. So get comfortable with your profit and loss statement and all those categories uh, of how you do business on a regular basis, including profit margins, would you say? Absolutely. Profit margins and um, per job profit margin, not only per product profit margin, and categories, window treatments versus case goods. I love it. Yeah, you should all know where your big money makers are. you're running are. a sustainable business. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good. I love it. I love it. Well, as usual, it's so nice to know I'm not alone. I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, if you're listening and you've made quite a few, don't worry about it. The important thing that I've learned from you, Roxana, is to take those mistakes and go back to the drawing board in terms of your systems and procedures and tighten it up so they don't happen again. And I want to thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. It's my pleasure, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.